Hi everyone, Dave Therian here. Glad to be with you on New Hope Radio and of course the Hope Club podcast. I'm glad you tuned in today because, I don't know, I, I'm, I got a message today. I think it's going to give hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless. God's Word will do that for us. That's why we're going to see a scripture today. Treasure it. Oh, treasure the Word of God in your heart. We're currently in a series most people don't want to talk about. Sin. But, you know, whenever you use the word sin, I like to connect the word salvation. Because though sin is the problem, salvation is the remedy. Okay? God hasn't left us here in our mess. He provided a remedy. So that's what this series is about, Sin and Salvation. Last time we were together, we saw number one, the sin nature is transmitted from parents to children. Okay? That's where it comes from. Parents to children. Then, secondly, because of that, all people have a sin nature. Everybody. Yeah. Nobody's left out. You do. I do. Everybody does. Because we all have human parents. Thirdly, the result of that is total depravity and spiritual death. Now, that's the problem. We're all depraved and we're dead to God. Fourthly, because of that depravity, the sin nature can mandate, uh-oh, a lifestyle. And fifthly, lifestyle determines fatherhood. Who's your daddy? One lifestyle can determine Satan's your daddy. And the other lifestyle can determine God is your daddy. Okay? And then the sixth thing, and I like this one the best, there is deliverance from sin. There's a remedy, and it's faith in Christ. That's it. That's the remedy. So when you think about being born with sin and then being born again with the Spirit of God, I have two natures, and I can strengthen the sin nature or I can strengthen the divine nature. The choice is mine. Whichever nature I feed, that's the one that will be strong. If I feed my sin nature on the things of the world, that's going to be strong nature. But if I feed my divine nature on the things of God, oh, it's going to be a strong nature. And I'll live more in victory than I will in defeat. So we're going to wrap up our little mini-series on sin and salvation with the principle of sin in the Christian's life and what do I do about it? What do I do about my sin? Because we all have it, right? Well, we know this. Sins are real, and they mess up our lives. Yep. So let's take it a few, a look at a few aspects of this sin, and we're going to have some good news at the end, so stay with me, okay? All right. First of all, there's a reality to our sins. It's real. John said in 1 John 1.10, If we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar, and his word is not in us. So God says we're sinners. Okay. And that's why he sent his son. <laughs> he sent his son because we're sinners. Okay? So there's no need to deny that. 
Honest reflection confirms that we do not always say and do the right things, right? Is everything you say the right thing to say? Not with me. Is everything you do the right thing to do? Not with me. So that's evidence of sin and a sin nature. So when we miss the mark, remember the word sin, hamatia? When you miss the mark, you're in sin. What's the mark? The mark is perfection. Whenever we fall short of perfection, that is sin. So don't just think of sin as, you know, murder and drug abuse and adultery and stealing. No, sin is anything that's not perfect. Okay? We've missed the mark. We didn't hit the bullseye. Okay? That's why we have a problem, but there is a remedy. Secondly, there's a standard that we ought to live by. You know, I'm talking to Christians today. If you're not a Christian, you can listen, but I'm talking to those that say Christ is their Savior. And I want you to think about the standard God has given us to live by. Some people say, oh, it's all grace. I don't need a standard. Well, you know, every association has a standard for its members, right? A ball team has a standard for its members. A private club has a standard for its members. The military has a standard. You know what? Even gangs have a standard. Public figures have a standard, right? They have a dress code. They have public behavior. They're they're expected to, to behave in a certain way in public. So when you think of the body of Christ... We're also called to a high standard. And what is that standard? Well, John said, walk in the light. Walk in the light. That's the standard. Walk in the light of God. Paul said, walk in newness of life. He also said, do not walk according to the flesh. Right? That's our standard. He said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, oh, walk by faith. He said to the Galatians, walk by the Spirit. In Ephesians 2.10, walk in what God prepared in your life. Walk worthy of your calling. Wow. Walk worthy. As Christians, that means we are of Christ. And we are to walk worthy of that name. He also said in Ephesians 5.2, walk in love. Walk in love. So there's a very high standard that we as God's people are called to live by. We even have a dress code. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Ephesians 4.24, put on the new self. Hmm. The new self, not the old self, the new self, the new creation that God has made you to be. We also put on the full armor of God. That's our dress code, the helmet, the shield, the breastplate, the shoes, the sword, all that we had to take into the battle every day. That's our defense, you see? So I want you to think, hey, the Christian life, very high standard. Higher than what military, political figures, private club members live by. It's the highest because it's the highest organization. Don't forget that. It's a privilege to be in the body of Christ. It's available to anybody. All those other associations, you know, they don't let everybody in. But with the body of Christ... Anybody can get in. God so loved the world. That's everybody. Everybody. Whoever believes, that's everybody.
can be saved, you see. So, as a Christian, I am held to a higher standard of life. Let's remember that. Again, who am I talking to? Followers of Christ today. This is you. You're held to a higher standard of life. Thirdly, God does give us a help to fight off the urge of sin. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Psalm 19, verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? In other words, how can he keep his road clear, clear of rocks and ruts, so he doesn't trip and stumble? And here's the answer, by keeping it according to your word. Oh, there it is, the word of God. The word of God is the roadmap. You know what it says? Go this way. Go this way and you'll get there. If you don't go this way, you're not going to get there. And then the psalmist said in verse 10, With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Think about that. Do not let me wander from, from, from the things that you have told me, the things that you have said. See here, the author's devotion is first of all to the God of the law, because that's his word and the promises. They have meaning for him because they're God's word of life for him. Let me ask you, how much meaning does the word of God have for you? How much? I think with all Christians, it comes in different levels. There are some, and they're saved, it has very little meaning because they don't order their life by it. Then there are others, it has great meaning because they do the best they can, the best they can to live by it. They get their marching orders from the Word of God. But I think, you know, the, the higher up you go, the, the, the fewer people you find that are very serious about following the Word of God. And I wonder how many can say, verse 11 is their verse, your word I have treasured in my heart. The word treasure, it means to hide. You know, like buried treasure, something valuable, and you hide it in a safe place. Well, the psalmist is saying, that's God's word to me. It's something very valuable, and I hide it in a safe place in my heart. And you know why? Here's what he said, that I might not sin against you. Here's a guy, he's not perfect, he knows he's going to make mistakes, but he's going to do the best that he can to walk with God. You know why? Because it's meaningful to him. That's the standard that he wants to live by. He doesn't want to live by the standard of the world. He wants to live at the highest possible standard, God's. You know what I say? Nothing wrong with that. That's the, that's the right way to go. That's how you eliminate regret. That's how you sleep well at night. That's how you get up in the morning and face the day instead of pulling the covers over your head and say, no, I don't want to get up. No, because you, you're living at a level which is an enjoyable level. It's a fruitful level. It's God's level. And it's amazing how Scripture can guide your life if you listen to it and obey it. It will always 
give you the right thing to do. It will. It'll never steer you wrong. We've all gotten bad advice from people, haven't we? There are books on the market that give terrible advice. Terrible. But the Word of God will never steer you wrong. Be in the Scriptures, even if it's a little bit, every day. Build that bank of knowledge in your heart. And you'll always have something to draw from. Okay? So think about it. I can avoid a sinful life if I choose. I just have to strengthen that nature, that spiritual, that divine nature that resides inside of me. Because if not, uh uh-oh, there's a penalty. You know there's a penalty for sin? Sin, sins have no rewards, only consequences. (laughs) Think about that. Sin doesn't reward you. It only gives consequences. And how deceived we are. Because when we go into sin, we're thinking, oh, yeah, man, this is awesome. This is good. Oh, this feels so good. You know? And then when it's all said and done, it's like, oh, I feel like dirt. What a rat. How did that happen? That's the consequences. Okay? So, right off the bat, there are no rewards from sin. Only consequences. And the biggest penalty for sin? Broken fellowship with God. Broken fellowship. The relationship has been broken off. Doesn't mean you lose your salvation, but you've lost your fellowship. Okay? If a brother and brother are fighting and they don't communicate, they're still brothers, but they're not communicating until they reconcile. Well, if you're a Christian, you're a child of God. But when you live in sin, the the communication is broken off. The fellowship is broken off until you get reconciled back to God. And I'll tell you how to do that shortly. And then you can enjoy fellowship once again. John said in 1 John 1, 6, if we say that we have fellowship with God, it says him, but I always say God, so you don't know what I'm saying. If we say that we have fellowship with him, with God, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. Wow. And do not practice the truth. John is saying, you're lying. If you say you have fellowship with God and you're walking in darkness, you're lying. You're deceiving yourself because you're not practicing the truth. And then you know what happens? Godly chastisement. Oh, yeah. How do we know? And this is the love of God, believe it or not. Hebrews twelve eleven. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. <laughs> That's true. Whoever said, yeah, Dad, spank me again. <laughs> no, it's like, no, no, no. Yeah, Dad, give me spank me harder this time. No, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet, to those who have been trained by it, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. What's Hebrews saying? Discipline comes our way from God when we get off track. But if you let the discipline put you back on track, you'll have the peaceful fruit of, fruit of righteousness. You'll be righteous again in your relationship with God. And you know, this is a serious thing. Oh, I think, I think many believers, they're like, ah, it's all grace. Don't worry about it. I'm saved. 
Yeah. But you don't, you don't see the severity of having a broken relationship with God. Some people are content with that. You know, back in Paul's day, church excommunication was popular because of unrepentant sin. They'd kick people out of the church. You know what happened in 1 Corinthians 5, this church in Corinth? This guy was like having sexual relationships with his, was it his stepmother? Wasn't his natural mother, stepmother? And Paul said, and the guy won't repent, and neither will she. I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. That means kick him out of the church so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. They said, you know what? If you want to live the way of the world, then get out of the church. You're not going to defile the church with your way of life. And then Paul addressed the congregation. Because you know what they were doing? They were boasting about the grace of God. Oh, isn't that great? This guy's in sin, but God's grace covers sin. Isn't that great? You know what Paul said? Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? What's that mean? It means that when you make bread and you make the dough, you put a little bit of yeast in the dough. And it affects the whole dough. The dough rises. Yeast is leaven. So what he's saying is a little bit of that carnality, a little bit of that abuse of grace can affect the whole church. And before you know it, the whole church will be defiled. Remember, the church is the bride of Christ. And people need to see the seriousness. And there are, hey, there are couples that come to church, you know what? And I think every church has them. And they're Christian. And they're not married, but they live like they are. And they go to church. And they think everything's okay. And they, they don't value, they don't treasure in their heart the word of God. So Paul said, listen, in verse 7, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as in, fa- in fact you are leaven. So there are some things that we need to like remove for the sake of the body. And he said, listen, if this doesn't happen, if people don't repent from their sin, speaking about Christians now, He said, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And sleep means that they die. Many die. That there are, believe it or not, Christians that will die earlier than they need to because of unrepentant sin. Think about that. A guy could live to 80, he lives to 50. A gal could live to 90, she lives to 60 unrepentant sin. People are sickly. Paul said this, they're weak, and some even die. Now, do they die because God takes them home, or do they die because they did something dumb? Could be both. But it could be that they do something dumb. See, when you're when you're outside of God and living in the world, yeah, you, you drive drunk. You take drugs, and you might overdose. All kinds of, you might get a sexual disease, sexually transmitted disease. All kinds of bad things can happen. And you end up dying. Do you want to die? You don't want to die. You want to live for God. 
So that's why. See, there's a connection between the heart, the soul, the mind, and the body. They're not compartmentalized. They're all one. That's why Jesus could say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We don't separate our physical aspect of who we are from the immaterial aspect of who we are. No. It's all connected. It's all one. But there is, here's the good news, the remedy for sin in the Christian. Again, we're not talking about losing your salvation. We're talking about coming under discipline from God and broken fellowship and maybe dying early. But here's the, here's the remedy for your sin. Confession. Acknowledge it to God. In 1 John 1, nine, he said, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means that if you confess the sins that you know you're doing, even the ones that maybe you didn't know they were sin or you forgot, they'll all be forgiven, everything. And God is faithful and just to do it because Jesus shed his blood to atone for them. Okay? But we still have to, in humility, come to God and acknowledge what we've done. That's the key. Because when John said, if you confess your sin, the word confess is the word homo legao. It means to say the same thing. Homo means same. Well, we get the word homosexual, right? Two sexes, the same. Legao is word or to say. So it means to say the same thing. What are you, what are you saying? You're saying the same thing with God. You're agreeing with God that what you did was sin. You're agreeing with the conviction or the accusation. See, this is what the Christian needs to know about their sin. I think sometimes as Christians, we can think, oh, I'm going to heaven. It doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. It does matter. Your love to God matters. God's love to you is not to give you a license to live ungodly. God's love to you is to draw you to Him, to help you, so you don't ruin your life or ruin your family by living ungodly. That's the thing. How much damage comes from God's people, Christians, living in an ungodly way? A lot of damage. And a lot of collateral damage, too. And you know what? It doesn't have to be. I can be cleansed from sin through confession. I can be uh, protected from sin through treasuring the Word of God in my heart. So let me give you a quick summary of what we saw today. And I hope it really goes deep into the heart. Okay, number one, sin is real. Oh, yeah. It's real, okay? It's not just for the one that's not saved. It's for the Christian too. It's real. Secondly, as Christians, there is a high standard that we live by. Every organization has a standard. The higher the organization, the higher the standard. And there's no higher organization than the body of Christ. So we have the highest standard to live by. Number three, God's Word keeps our path straight. That's why we get the Word of God every day. 
It'll keep your path straight. Don't you want to walk straight? Want to get to your goal, your goal, your destination? What is it? Christ-likeness. That's where we're all heading to. Christ-likeness. Number four, the penalty of broken fellowship with God is not worth the temporary pleasure of the sin. Remember, sin does not pay rewards. It only pays consequences. And consequences are never good, right? Consequences could be death, could be sickness, could be divorce, could be bankruptcy, could be, hey, I could make a list a mile long. Bad decisions can end up with bad results. Fifthly, there is a remedy. Honest confession of that sin, and you'll find forgiveness. And fellowship with God will be restored immediately. See, God wants a relationship with us, but because He's pure and holy and just, when we walk in sin, that relationship is broken because He can't. He can't be in our presence. We Actually, we can't be in His presence when we're like that. So we have to acknowledge the wrong, we ask for forgiveness, and then boom, we're restored. We're restored right back again. So, you know, God is not in the business of punishing his people. He's in the business business of drawing us back to him. That's what he wants to do. Because he knows that in our relationship with him, there's no better place to be. There's no better place to be in life than in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's why we need to hear these things every day. We want to understand God's grace and not trample on it. We want to understand the blood of Christ and not trample on it, but use it for why it was given to lift us up, to pick us up, and draw us to God. A closer walk with thee, as the hymn says. And that's why being in the Hope Club is so important. Because by being in the Hope Club, you support us with $3 a week. It helps us produce radio programs and podcasts. And we send you a devotional-style email every Monday through Friday. And you can hide the Word of God in your heart. Want to join the Hope Club? Go to newhoperadio.live. Click the menu bar. It's all there. Commit to $3 a week the best you can. We'll put you on the email list, and you'll get a devotional Monday through Friday. And I'll tell you what, you're going to feed your divine nature. And that's what it's all about. Okay? All right. Thanks for coming along. We'll see you next time.